0: It's November 5th, 2021, and this is Market Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with Adrian Bluss for your Daily News Roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, a long-anticipated court date, the latest headlines, and more. This episode is sponsored by Kava, Nexo.io, and Market Intel by Chainalysis. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin has traded mostly sideways near all-time highs over the past two weeks, prompting some traders to consider alternative cryptocurrencies such as Ether for greater profit potential. Quote. Our models are still full risk on ETH, whereas our Bitcoin model started reducing exposure last week. But we are starting to see some slowing in conviction buying. Ben McMillan, chief investment officer of quantitative research from IDX Insights, wrote in a research report. Bitcoin's price has been roughly flat over the past week compared to a 4% rise in ETH and a 23% rise in Solana's SOL token over the same time period. The Bitcoin dominance chart, which shows the extent of the cryptocurrency's dominance over the rest of the market by comparing market cap of Bitcoin against the market cap of the entire sector, is signaling a bias towards altcoin exposure, according to Matthew Dibb, COO of Stack Funds. Quote, This trend will likely persist for the short term, he said. The charts show Bitcoin dominance declining as altcoins take a larger share. Quote, We've seen consistent bids for Layer 1 tokens throughout any market weakness, said Dib. Avalanche's AVAX token touched an all-time high of $80.29 on Friday and is up 20% just this week alone. It's the same story for Polkadot's DOT token, also up 20%. Coins related to virtual worlds or so-called metaverses were also in the spotlight after Facebook said it will change its name to Meta and enter the arena, quote, the recent rebranding from Facebook to Meta is making the crypto market reassess the future value of these metaverse competitors, which, until last week, many of them were fairly undervalued, said a research analyst at Into the Block. Decentraland, a virtual world on the Ethereum blockchain that allows users to monetize content and applications as well as own property, is up 88% on the week. Sandbox, which is also a virtual world where players can build, own, and monetize their gaming experiences using non fungible tokens, has gained 132%. Turning back to Bitcoin and taking a bird's-eye view, the original cryptocurrency's two bull runs of 2021 have differed from those in past years. One key distinction has been decreased volatility expectations, Coindesk's Shan reported. This metric, which shows the cryptocurrency's expected price swings, did not spike when Bitcoin's price hit record highs in April and then in October, indicating that Bitcoin may be evolving into a more mature investment asset. But for now, upside momentum is slowing, which suggests a period of consolidation could persist in the short term. Eventually, indicators suggest momentum could improve to support a breakout in BTC above the $65,000 level, based on positive historical returns in the fourth quarter. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk's markets analysts, Dominic Dantes and Lulula Desma. Bitcoin is currently trading at $61,514, that's down about a quarter point over the last 24 hours, while Ether is trading at $4,494 per token, that's down three quarters of a point over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Price Index. In traditional markets, U.S. stock futures rose as investors awaited the monthly jobs report, seeking clues about the state of the labor market and the U.S. central bank's next move. Futures for the S&P 500 ticked up three tenths of one percent on Friday, pointing to a muted opening moves to the benchmark index, which closed at an all-time high for the 63rd time in 2021 on Thursday. Futures for the Dow Jones Industrial Average edged up less than one tenth of one percent, and contracts for the tech-focused Nasdaq rose just under half a point, point, 0.4 percent. Economists expect the employment report, which is due shortly after we record this episode for the day, to show that employers added 450,000 jobs in October. That would be the largest rise in three months, but below the 2021 average. Due to declining labor participation, the unemployment rate is expected to have fallen to 4.7% from 4.8% in September. Meanwhile, European stocks wavered around record highs on Friday, and UK government bonds continued to rise after a surprise decision by the Bank of England to keep interest rates ultra low. The European Stock 600 Index, which has closed higher for nine of the last 10 sessions, was flat in early dealings, while in London, the FTSE 100 gained just under half a point. Continuing to the east, Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index fell 1.4%, while China's Shanghai Composite Index fell 1%, and Japan's Nikkei 225 fell just under half a point. One analyst noted that Asian markets have come under pressure due to rising short-term government bonds in the U.S., which has led investors to expect higher dollar borrowing costs in emerging markets. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from the Wall Street Journal, BFT, and Bloomberg. Stay tuned for After the Break we'll be back with a few quick headlines we're tracking today, with links to the full articles in the show notes for this episode as always. Then after the headlines, we'll take a look at a long-delayed Florida trial that Bitcoin insiders are watching closely. We'll be right back.
1: Kava gives you the ability to earn more by connecting the world's largest cryptocurrencies, ecosystems, and financial applications on DeFi's most trusted, scalable, and secure earning platform. Kava is an institutional-grade cross-chain engine built to scale on the largest decentralized proof-of-stake network. With loan APYs as low as 0% and reward APYs as high as 200%, Kava is the safest place for you to grow your digital portfolio. Mint stablecoins, lend, borrow, earn and swap safely across the world's biggest crypto assets with Kava. To learn more, visit kava.io/marketsdaily. Looking to make the most of your crypto assets? Nexo.io's got you covered. Grow your wealth securely with Nexo's high-yield interest accounts. Buy crypto on your terms, directly within Nexo's platform, and start earning daily compounding interest right away. Get the cash you need without selling your crypto from just 6.9% APR. Instantly swap between 100 crypto and traditional currency pairs. And don't worry, Nexo is insured against losses up to $375 million. Get the most of your crypto at Nexo.io. That's nexo.io. Market Intel by Chainalysis is your ticket to the moon. Whether you're an asset manager searching for a signal to make crypto investments, a quant analyst interested in spotting market trends, or a VC looking to fund the next emerging player in the crypto ecosystem, Market Intel is for you. Utilizing 53 metrics across 10 categories like whales, exchanges, liquidity, and supply, Market Intel arms you with the most complete on-chain data set to help you reach your goals. To get started, head to markets.chainalysis.com.
0: Turning to big picture news, investors have jolted government bond markets in the past month as they reassess what will happen to the basic cost of money that underpins the financial system. Yet other markets don't seem to care. Stocks have hit new highs, currencies have, if anything, moved the opposite way to what would normally be expected, and corporate bonds remained impassive. Really, it's just the bond market that's having a problem. The Wall Street Journal has that report. However, not all markets are hitting record highs, the FT reports. Emerging market stocks are lagging behind those in developed economies by the most since 2013's quote, taper tantrum, as investors fret that global tightening of monetary policy will trigger a flight away from the asset class. MSCI's emerging markets benchmark is essentially flat for 2021 in U.S. dollar terms, including dividend payments. This lackluster performance starkly contrasts with the index provider's global gauge of stocks in more mature markets that has delivered returns of more than 20% so far this year, bolstered by gains in U.S. and European equities. Meanwhile, the world's top central banks are pushing back in unison on the idea that higher interest rates will be needed to fight a run of high inflation and have now bound their monetary policy tightly to the hope that the world's tangled supply chains are on the verge of repair. Reuters has that report. And in news people will be watching closely today, the consensus is that U.S. job growth likely rebounded last month, but not enough to return to the higher pace from earlier this year, with the shortage of workers and other effects from the pandemic and the response to it weighing on the economy. Employers are estimated to have added 450,000 jobs in October, which would be the strongest gain in three months, but still below the 2021 average, according to economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal. The jobless rate is expected to have fallen to 4.7% last month from 4.8% a month earlier in large part due to labor participation continuing to decline. The Labor Department is set to release its monthly jobs report after we track this morning's episode, so we'll be talking to you about it on Monday of next week. But in the lead-up to, the Wall Street Journal has a report. Turning to international news. Meanwhile, the MCBDC Bridge, or Multiple Central Bank Digital Currency Bridge, a project put together by foreign monetary authorities to build infrastructure to connect central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, revealed 15 use cases and 22 participants for the project at Hong Kong Fintech Week on Thursday. A total of 22 industry participants across jurisdictions will test the 15 use cases during a pilot that will start in 2022, said a brochure posted by the Bank of Thailand that also revealed these specific projects. Broadly speaking, these tests aim to lower costs and improve the speed of international transactions using central bank-issued digital currencies. Coindesca Eliza Gritzi has the details. And in a story that'll make some investors very happy, South Korean regulators say that NFTs are not virtual assets. Quote, according to the basic position expressed by the international anti-money laundering organization known as FATF, NFTs are not regulated. Quote, the report said, citing an unnamed financial intelligence unit official. Seoul, Korea will follow FATF guidance on the matter of NFTs and its regulation. That's another one from Coindesk's Eliza Gritzy. Meanwhile, the nation of Kazakhstan, has limited the amount of money local retail investors can put into crypto, a Kazakhstan News website reported on Wednesday. Retail investors can put up to 10% of their annual income, or 5% of their total assets, excluding their main residence, up to $100,000 per year into the asset class, as long as they provide evidence of their finances to the regulator, the site reported. Should an investor not provide any evidence of their finances, they can invest up to $1,000 per month, according to the news source, which said it attained the information from the Astana Financial Services Agency directly. That's yet another one from Coindesk's Eliza Gritzy. Turning to industry news, banks should focus on blockchain technology, and investors should increase their Bitcoin holdings while trimming gold exposure, according to Jeffrey's global head of equity strategy, Christopher Wood. This concept of how blockchain has begun to eat conventional finance is why all banks should be focused on the technology to see how to try and profit from it rather than wait and be disrupted by it," Wood said in a note on Thursday. He continued that he would be adding another 5% to his Bitcoin exposure, bringing it to 10%, while cutting 5% exposure to gold in his global long-only asset allocation portfolio recommendation for his US-based dollar pension funds. Coindesk's Aon Ashraf and Will Canny have the details. And although many have celebrated the approval of a Bitcoin futures ETF, some of us have been left wondering, why not a simple spot ETF? It would appear that some in Washington are now wondering the same, as U.S. lawmakers call for a Bitcoin spot ETF in a letter to SEC Chair Gary Gensler. U.S. Representatives Tom Emmer, a Republican from Minnesota, and Darren Soto, a Democrat from Florida, advocated for the trading of Bitcoin spot exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, in a strongly worded letter to U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, that's the SEC Chairman Gary Gensler on Wednesday. The letter questioned why the SEC is comfortable with allowing a derivatives based Bitcoin ETF, but not a Bitcoin Spot ETF. It referred to the launch of the first Bitcoin futures ETF in the U.S., which started trading in October. Emer and Soto wrote that Bitcoin Spot ETFs are based directly on the asset and offer investors more protection than one based on derivatives. Coindesk Honda Hondagama has all the details. And in our ongoing coverage of the largest exchange in the world, Binance has hired a former IRS special agent to head its suspicious activity reporting efforts. The hire is the latest in a series of appointments by the largest crypto exchange as it tightens up on regulatory compliance while tackling fraud and other criminal activity. Quinda's Jamie Crowley, how's that one? And speaking of suspicious activity, MetaMask and Phantom Wallet users have been targeted in a crypto phishing scam. These scam campaigns, which use Google Ads to reach users, has resulted in losses of at least $500,000. The report gives an example of how an attacker uses a Google ad campaign to steal the user's private keys and access their MetaMask wallet by giving them a phrase that allows them to steal the funds upon transfer. Checkpoint Research advised crypto wallet users to, quote, refrain from clicking on ads and only use direct, known URLs, end quote. That's a piece by Coindesk's Tanzil Akhtar. And finally, Chainlink, the biggest provider of data to smart contracts, said the value of smart contracts dependent on its feed has climbed to $75 billion this year alone. That's up from just 7 billion, which is a funny word to say just about, number at the end of last year. Chainlink's oracles feed data such as weather and sports results from external sources to blockchains like Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Avalanche. The data allows decentralized finance applications to trigger their smart contracts when triggers are met by something that isn't happening on the blockchain. Coindesk's Tanzil Akhtar has that one as well. And in lighter news, here's our associate producer, Adrian Blust. HYBE, the agency behind K-pop band BTS
2: and Dunamu, the operator of crypto exchange Upbit, have agreed to set up a joint venture to work on non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, according to a regulatory filing on Wednesday. The joint venture will create NFT photo cards related to the K-pop stars, which will eventually be traded on HYBE's app Weverse, the chairman of the two firms said at a briefing early on Thursday. Coindesk's Eliza Gritzi has the details. And in more NFT news, FC Barcelona, the world's second most valuable soccer club, is joining the rush to issue NFTs with a plan to offer NFTs based on photos and videos from the club's 122-year history. The NFTs will be offered for auction through Onyx, a marketplace on the Ethereum blockchain. The official launch takes place November 24th according to a countdown timer on the Onyx website. Sports teams worldwide have been exploring NFTs as a way of generating income and raising fan engagement. In September, we covered Spain's La Liga, becoming the first of Europe's top soccer leagues to offer NFTs of all of its players through French digital soccer collectibles platform SoRare. Coindesk's Sheldon Reback has the story. And switching over to a fun experiment that has been bridging the gap between the real world and digital collectibles, The Worm wiggles through Times Square dispensing NFT blessings and tokens. The Worm is a singular NFT and experiment giving and sharing digital art around the world while also creating a collective narrative. The blessed token has visited 446 Ethereum wallets so far, sitting in its latest one now for almost two days. After 1,000 people have held the worm, early acolytes will receive a new blessing, a special NFT limited to that early group. The so-called Church of the Worm was launched by Ambition.WTF, a small NFT company that describes itself as a group of technomancers. The group previously released a procedurally generated cube series called Hexus, the Crypto Punk's derivative Crypto Junks, and The Worm. The Worm is the NFT equivalent of Bitcoin's lightning torch, where Bitcoin fans passed along and added to a cache of Satoshi's, the smallest unit of Bitcoin, to prove the robustness of Bitcoin's lightning network. Both social games were all about passing around a thing that has value from one person to another and trusting that no one would steal it. But the worm takes advantage of smart contract technology and leaves a very clear trail of non-tradable NFTs behind as it goes. The Church of the Worm shows how NFT technology has been a way to use intellectual property and create a subculture across the internet, one that has the potential to take on a life of its own. The Defiant has more details in the show notes.
0: Today's featured story is a report from the West Palm Beach Courthouse by Coindesk's Cheyenne Ligon. Miami, November 1st. The civil trial of Ira Kleiman versus Craig Wright kicked off on Monday that may provide insight into some of Wright's claims that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, the inventor of Bitcoin. Wright, an Australian computer scientist and early cryptocurrency pioneer, has been claiming to be the pseudonymous creator of Bitcoin since 2016. This suit posits that if Wright is Satoshi, he didn't act alone. According to Ira Kleiman, his late brother David, a fellow computer expert and longtime friend of Wright, was the co-creator of Bitcoin and is entitled to a share of Satoshi's Bitcoin, currently valued at $66 billion. The suit alleges that David Kleiman and Wright formed a partnership and established an entity called WNK Info Defense Research LLC that they used to mine Bitcoins and organize their intellectual property, including the Bitcoin source code. According to emails shown to the jury on Monday, Ira Kleiman alleges that his brother was solely responsible for mining the entire stash of Bitcoin in question and has accused Wright of swindling them through a combination of forgery and deceit from David's estate after his death. Wright denies the allegations and says that while David Kleiman was a friend and confidant, the two were never partners and that he alone is Satoshi Nakamoto. A panel of 10 jurors selected on Monday will have three weeks to hear the evidence and decide the fate of what Wright's team is calling Satoshi's Bitcoin. In his opening statement on Monday, Kyle Roche, an attorney for the Kleiman estate, established a timeline for the jury that aimed to demonstrate Wright's conflicting statements about the nature of his relationship with David Kleiman. In those emails shown to the court, Wright repeatedly referred to David Kleiman as his partner and his business partner until after the latter's death in April of 2013. Rush told the jury that after David Kleiman's death, Wright's story began to change. He continued to call David his partner but started distancing himself and claimed that David had transferred their shared intellectual property into Wright's possession. According to Roche, Wright's relationship with Kleiman's surviving family members began to sour sometime in 2015, when Ira was informed by Australian tax authorities that he fraudulently claimed to pay David Kleiman approximately $40 million for materials belonging to their shared company, W&K Info Defense Research LLC. Roche told the jury that after 2018, when Ira Kleiman filed the suit against him, Craig Wright began to deny that he and David Kleiman had ever been partnered, or that he'd ever had a partner at all, aside from his wife, Ramona Watts. In deposition footage dated April 4, 2019, Wright said, He was never my partner. I hate the whole concept of partnership. End quote. Wright's defense seems to largely hinge on two factors. His diagnosis with autism spectrum disorder and the lack of a written agreement between him and David Kleiman. In her opening statement, Amanda McGovern, counsel for Wright, claimed that Wright's autism made him difficult to communicate with, overly literal and combative. Rather than pushing back against the veracity of the plaintiff's timeline, McGovern instead attempted to convince the jury that Wright and Ira Kleiman simply had a different understanding of the word partner. McGovern painted a picture of Wright's lifetime of social difficulties, claiming he came from a very difficult home, had very few friends in his childhood, and he was considered strange, even by his sister, end quote. And in a different quote, At 13, he wore a ninja outfit to a playground, and all the other kids called him a freak, McGovern said. For Wright, math and cryptography became a refuge away from bullying at home and at school. According to Roche, however, Wright's diagnosis with autism is a recent development. He was diagnosed sometime after 2018 by Dr. Amy Klin, director of the Marcus Research of Autism and an expert witness for the defense. Roche told the jury that Wright was diagnosed over the phone by Klin, who had, at the time of diagnosis, never met Wright in person. While both the plaintiffs and the defense posit that Craig Wright, either alone or alongside David Kleiman invented Bitcoin, the reality is murkier. Despite Wright's claims, as well as his history of lawsuits against his detractors, he has not been able to definitively prove that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. After announcing in May of 2016 that he would move Satoshi's Bitcoin, proving that he had access to Satoshi's private keys and was therefore Satoshi, Wright failed to do so, writing, quote, I do not have the courage, I cannot, in a now deleted blog post. The cryptographic proof he provided instead has in past muster, at least for several high profile crypto experts who have claimed it is fraudulent. Past accusations of document forgery and other frauds repeatedly came up during the first day of the trial, as the plaintiff's attorney showed the jury examples of doctored emails from Wright where they allege that Wright added and deleted sentences from David Kleiman, changed dates, and more. If the jury finds in favor of the plaintiffs and Ira Kleiman is awarded his brother's share of Satoshi's Bitcoin, the question remains whether the court has any way of retrieving them. The still unsolved mystery of Satoshi Nakamoto's identity and Wright's seeming inability to retrieve the coins from his wallet means that recovering the coins may not be possible. If Wright is not Satoshi, or if he is and has somehow lost access to the wallet, it's unclear how Ira Kleiman will get his hands on half the stash. Furthermore, there are some in the crypto community who question whether the 1.1 million bitcoins at the heart of the case even exist. In a blog post from 2018, Tokyo-based software developer and self-proclaimed bitcoin archaeologist Kim Nilsson, traced wallet addresses supposedly held by Wright, tying many of them back to the 2014 Mt. Gox hack. This is a continuing story and you can expect that at Markets Daily. We will be following it closely. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. This episode was edited by Adrian Blust and you can send us an email at podcast.coindesk.com or just leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. We definitely appreciate that. We'll be back tomorrow with continued coverage of the much-watched trial of Craig Wright, who claims to be the creator of Bitcoin. And just a reminder that Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice.